Our scripture today is found in Matthew 8, 23 through 27. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked, even the winds and waves obey him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So last year, a friend of mine got a tattoo. It's this, the word unafraid. And she got it right below her heart. And I have been watching her. She said, she, when she posted this on Facebook, she said, this is deep ink to help me heal from deep wounds. And I thought, that's, that's pretty cool to write the word unafraid on your body. And, and since then, I've been watching her, you guys. Um, I get to see her socially. I get to see her here at church. And she has been living more courageously. From small ways, like if she looks goofy, she'll still let you take her picture. To big ways, like when I said, hey, can I put a picture of your tattoo up and show it to 350 people on Sunday? She said, I guess that's what it means to be unafraid, right? (laughs) Unafraid. And I love and I am inspired by the change that I see coming over her life now that she has that word. Um, She's making those intentional choices to be unafraid. And I keep thinking that's something we all need because all of us face fears. Every single one of us, don't we? Um, From the small ones to the very great ones, from the community and nationwide ones. uh, Y'all know the news talks about them 24-7, right? Political fears, whatever side of the spectrum you're on. uh, Fears of the growing crisis in the world. There's many crises. Pick one. Um, Bring it into our community. This morning, someone told me that a, a mosque had been set on fire. You guys, not only does that speak of hatred, that I think behind that is fear. Um, then there is the fears that we face in our own lives, the things that keep us up at night. One man walking out said, I'm always thinking, did I wrap the pipes well enough? Have I insulated this well enough? Have I done this well enough? And his wife said, yeah, he just needs to be unafraid. Like, once you've done unafraid. To those small things to the bigger things, I'm worried about my child and the choices that they're making. I'm anxious because I'm building a home and it's not going the way we had planned it and it's creating a stress in our relationships. I'm I'm anxious because my company is downsizing or because the revenues aren't coming in. What are we going to do about the finances? Will I have enough to retire ever? I mean, these, these are things that keep us awake. I mean, you don't have to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever lost sleep because you're afraid? worried? <laughs> Me too. Um, how many of us have to take uh, a sleeping aid to nod off? You know, there's real fears that we face, and God has something very real to say to us about this. God wants to transform us. We say that, right? We're a community of imperfect people. We're afraid of things, and, but we want God to transform us with his perfect love. 
And this is one of the ways that God wants us to be transformed. Does God want us all to go out and get a tattoo today? You're like, oh my gosh. (laughs) George is like, yes. (laughs) You've got your next one, George. You do not need to write this on your skin, okay? That's not what I'm suggesting. You can if you want to. But God wants to write it deeper. God wants to write the word unafraid across your heart. Where it can never be taken away from you. Every time you're facing something, you're thinking like my friend, what does it mean to be unafraid here? Okay, I need to live that way. Because imagine. Imagine your life without a scrap of fear. Imagine how well you would sleep tonight. Imagine the healing that would be yours. Imagine the things you would dare if God took away your fear. It's possible. And if I could give you guys, we're at the start of a new year, right? We're all thinking about what do we want this year to be? If I could give you a word this year and make it true, for my whole congregation, the word would not be skinny. (laughs) Darn. The word would not be wealthy. The word would be unafraid. Because this word will change your life. And what we're going to be talking about in January is how to live unafraid. When we face the uncertain future, we'll talk about that. When we face the end of our days and we look at dying, we'll talk about that. Uh, When we're afraid that we've disappointed God, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all these things. But today, I just wanted to start off with talking about fear. Just fear and how we face it. How we become unafraid. And I chose this scripture that Pastor Greg read because this is one of the moments, and there are many, when the disciples were afraid. And to help you understand the depths of this fear, I need to tell you a little bit about Jewish people in general. Jewish people were terribly afraid of water. Not like the rain, that was okay. Um, Not a puddle, but any time they couldn't see the bottom of something, they couldn't touch it with their feet, They were scared of it, very, very scared of it. In fact, in the whole ancient world, they are the only people, the Jewish people, who have a coastline, who have bodies of water, but no navy, okay? Everybody else in the ancient world has one. They're like, we're out. Because not only was there this uncertainty with water, uh, where we see a day of recreation and fun with our family, right? They saw terror, There was this element of spiritual darkness that they saw in bodies of water. So water to them represented chaos and darkness and death. And a man who went with us to Israel reminded me that Hanania, our Jewish guide, even said part of the reason they were so afraid of bodies of water was that in the Jewish mind, if you died on the water, you would not be resurrected. Now that's not biblical, y'all. That's just, they were thinking you'd be so far down in the water that God couldn't get to you to raise you up, okay? So there's this this deep fear of water 
deep water in the Jewish culture. So, does it make sense now, first of all, that the Jewish people, why did they call it the Sea of Galilee? It's a lake, right? They hated water. So anything that's bigger than a little pond is like, that's a sea, oh my gosh. So first of all, they hate it. And then second of all, think of all the times in the Bible where to show his power, God is tearing water apart. Oh, because that's what his people feared the most. So when the Red Sea is torn apart and there are walls of water and Pharaoh's army, that, that is not an accident that that's the way God delivers the people. They walk through the water and they see God is more powerful than what I'm afraid of. Again, at the Jordan River, right, between the people and the promised land is this river in flood. I've seen the Jordan River in flood, you guys. I mean, I've seen much more raging currents here that I wouldn't want to go across. That one, at least at this time, was like, maybe I could swim that, right? We could get a boat. We could do this thing. The Jewish people are like, nope, I'm out. They were scared of water. Okay, so now let's put ourselves back when Jesus says to his disciples, let's go across that town on the other side of the lake. First, you can imagine them. They say, okay. They get on their backpacks and they start to walk because that's what good Jewish people did. They just walked around. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let's take a boat. Take a, take a boat? Oh. Can you imagine the ripple of fear that just went down everyone's back at that point? And you say, oh, well, there are some fishermen, so they were okay with it. Well, fishermen in those days, they were Jewish fishermen, so they, were, they either fished from the shore or the shallows throwing nets, or they would go just a little bit out, and then they'd pull nets back in. So they, they always kept the coastline in view. So these, these men, to go across the lake, this is terrifying. But they look at each other, they say, okay, we're with Jesus. This is going to be okay. He'll make it okay. Only it wasn't, was it? There arose a seismos. That's the word that Matthew uses to describe what happened. And a seismos is like an eruption. It means like an earth-shaking, cataclysmic kind of a storm. Matthew only uses this word seismos in two other places in the Bible. When Jesus dies and there's that earthquake, it's called a seismos. And when he is resurrected and uh, the, the tomb is thrown open, there is a seismos, right? So there's the seismos and in his death and resurrection, and then there's this. This is an eruption of water. This is winds howling. This is the disciples are screaming, and Jesus is asleep. Asleep. And in their terror, they can only, choked by fear, they're crying out. They cry out three words in Greek. We, we have them as, Lord, save us, we're dying. They didn't put them into a sentence. They're, they say, Lord, save, dying. Okay, they are terrified. They are at the point of death. The storm is going to sweep over them. This is how bad it is. Their worst fear, the teeth of the storm, and they cannot beat it. Jesus, as if to give us the utmost contrast to the fear of the disciples, is asleep. Okay, utterly unconcerned 
about the seismos going on. Now, we've talked about how we lose sleep, right? Jesus is giving us the example of where to look in those storms, and I want to come back to that. And I want to tell you about a time, I think sleep can actually be a witness. (laughs) This is a strange thing, but bear with me. I want to tell you about Kevin's dad, my father-in-law, when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. As some of y'all I know know, that is a very quick and deadly form of cancer, and it's incurable. Um, And it came as quite a shock, obviously, to my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, when he received that diagnosis. And they felt the seismos. I mean, it was roaring around them. Uh, When you find out that you maybe have less than a year to live. And the first thing that the doctor did after he said, okay, well, we can try chemo and we can try this. And he said, okay, um, I'm going to get you a prescription for a sleeping pill. Because I think you're going to have a hard time sleeping now that you know about this. And my father-in-law said, I won't need it. And the doctor said, yeah, you're going to need it. I don't... Even if you slept really well before now, you're going to need it now because this is, this is a really fearful thing to face. And Warren said, I won't need it. All my life I've walked with Jesus and he will walk with me through this. And y'all, the doctor still didn't believe him and he gave him the sleeping pill prescription. Um, the amazing thing was that my father-in-law lived seven years, long enough to hold his only grandchildren at that time. He he held both Anna and Leah. Um, He played with them. But the greater testimony is he had that prescription for the rest of those seven years. And he he never turned it in. Every night of his life, he laid his head down in peace and he slept. Someday I hope I have faith like that that strong and he would talk to his kids and he would talk to anybody who would listen he'd say it's not a secret I love Jesus Jesus loves me and whatever days I have are in his hands and I trust him his faith just drove fear out of his heart he never needed a pill to sleep, my father-in-law. That's faith. And that's something that every single one of us, you and me, fellow followers of Christ, that kind of peace, that kind of unafraid spirit, that can be ours. How? Okay, right? How? Well, we need to do what Warren did. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, when the storm rose up against him, the storm of cancer, he didn't deny that it was there. It's just he knew Jesus was there with him. And he chose to look at Jesus instead of just looking at the storm. Now, the disciples, what did they first do? When they're in the boat, they're looking at the storm. And it's terrifying. And they're doing everything they can. And they finally have done it all. And they can't do anything more. And then they turn to Jesus. That's okay, too. But what I'm saying is let's, let's turn our eyes when the seismos rises up. Let's turn our eyes first to Jesus. Let's find him. And the way you do that is you just take a big, deep breath, 
and say, Lord, I need you. You're here, I know it. Show me where you are. And again and again, reorient our gaze from the storm to our Lord. Find him. Over and over again, teach your heart to find him. That's the first thing we need to do. And the second thing we need to do is remember who he is. Remember, the disciples get to the end and Jesus calms the storm and they say, who is this man? Okay, let's, let's remember. Because in the, just the chapters before this, in just this one chapter, chapter 8 of Matthew, the disciples have seen who Jesus is. He's touched a leper and made the man clean and well again with a touch. He's healed a servant who was all the way across town. He just spoke a word, and the man who was on a deathbed was well. Peter's mother was in bed with a fever, and Jesus healed her, and she got up, and she was helping serve them, being a hostess. There there were demons, and Jesus spoke a word, and they scattered like birds, scared birds. There, There were hungry thousands, and there was a lunchbox, and Jesus fed every one of those thousand people until they were full. Okay, this is our Savior. This is the man in the boat with the disciples that day. This is the man who stood next to my father-in-law through his cancer. This is our Savior who's with us right now. And part of what we do to drive fear away from our hearts and write the word unafraid is we find Jesus and then we remember the power of God. And God is inviting us to do that all throughout the Bible, Right from the very beginning when God delivers the Israelites and he's making a covenant with them and there's the Ten Commandments, one of the things he says is, teach this story to your children. Tell them about how the Red Sea was torn apart and you walked through on dry ground. Tell them I did that. Tell them about how every morning you were hungry, you had no food, it was the desert, and I gave you bread from heaven. Teach them that And so much more, water from a rock, Um, armies driven back by a band of, of slaves, right, when Moses held up his arms. I mean, teach them these stories. And you guys, I could go on and on and tell you the stories, but what I want you to do this you actually have homework today. You need to go home, gather the people you love, and write down the stories. Write down the stories in the Bible that give you courage. Maybe it's David with his slingshot against the giant. You know, maybe it's Elijah who waits by a brook and God brings him food from ravens. There, maybe it's Gideon who's in a threshing floor hiding and God calls to him. There's, there are so many stories of God's mighty power. I want you to find yours, the ones that teach your heart to have faith, that teach you to be courageous, and I want you to actually write them down. Put them in your phone, put them on a piece of paper and put it on the fridge. Put it wherever it is that you need it to be. Do it together with the people you love. But don't stop in the Bible. Did God stop doing mighty things when the story of the, and the Bible recorded was over? No. God is still doing mighty things. Amen. Amen. I look at y'all 
And I, I can see in your faces, I know the stories of your lives, the stories that you've told me about what God is doing in your life. You won't have to look far. Write down the prayers that have been answered. Write down the doors that have been opened. Write down the things that you dared that you never would have tried, but God was leading you. Write those down. And then look around for some friends. I see Alita smiling at me. When Alita became a Christian, uh, one of the things that God gave her strength to do was quit smoking. And she told me just a few weeks ago that she's been smoke-free for four years, right? Write it down, right? Write down Alita. Write, Write down my name. Write down the name of my son. The doctor said he was going to die. They said there was no way he was going to live. He's alive. He's four and a half months old. He's in the nursery. Write down Asher. Right? Write down the story of DG and Tiffany. Tiffany, who was just up here. Tiffany, who's here right now? Who, for years, she and DG prayed for a child. Couldn't have one of their own. And then God opened a door for Gracie to come into their life. She turned six this week, y'all. Write that down, okay? Write down these stories. And then when you're facing the next storm, the next seismos rises up, then find Jesus and get out that list and read through it and remind yourself, this is my God who can tear open a sea, who can help children to live, who can help quit smoke. He can do these things. And write the storm at the bottom. Say, God, I need your help with this. The disciples find Jesus and they call him. And he wakes up. He stands and faces the storm and with a word, he silences it. And there is a great calm. And you guys, I wish I could promise you That every time you're in a storm and you find Jesus and you remember his power, with a word, it will disappear. Sometimes. Sometimes that happens. But what the disciples found was that day, as they allowed their faith to grow, as they continued to walk with Jesus, as they took the next step and the next step, is that what began as calm on the outside moved deeper and deeper within them. It wasn't the last storm they faced, that storm on the sea. And what Jesus did is he wrote the word unafraid across their hearts so that when they were facing death, and we know that 11 out of the 12 died as martyrs, faced great storms. The calm was not that on the outside it all was great. It was that right here there was a great calm in the hearts of these men. And so I would pray that God would completely silence our storms. Sometimes that happens. But more, what I would pray for each of us is that we would allow God to write the word unafraid in deep ink on our hearts. And that like my father-in-law, no matter the storms that are raging on the outside, we would be calm within because we're followers of Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, who with a word can calm storms, 
We pray that you, would, you see and you know our fearful, anxious hearts. You know what keeps us up at night and the problems that are too great for us. We know we can't solve them, and yet we face them. And we pray that you, we know that you are with us. We pray that you would help us know where you are in the midst of our storms to find you, Lord, to remember your power and to keep our eyes on you. May you write the word unafraid deep within us. May that word transform our lives, give us courage as we face the uncertainties of this life. And I pray for each person here that we would hear that word as we go through this week, unafraid, and we would seek to follow you into that new future, a future without fear, a future that is ours because we believe in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.